1: So I definitely did not know it was a part of a trilogy. I only read Oryx and Crake and I just remember it being so intense and it was just a lot. I think I could never read it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. So good on you for reading it three times. I
2: really, really like it. I don't know. It just brings me joy. (laughs) (laughs) To think about
1: dystopic futures. (laughs)
2: Hi everybody, my name is Steph, and I'm June and you're listening to
1: our podcast List Me Tender where we delve into bucket list things to do before
2: you turn 30. I cannot believe it but this is episode 5 Woohoo! which means we are halfway through our initial target of wanting to record 10 episodes Wow! and it seems really surreal that we're doing this. That is crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah but also quite awesome because we're actually doing it.
1: So today we are talking about reading a life-changing book. So I'm just going to read this little paragraph we have. Reading has several benefits like boosting your imagination, improving your communication skills, keeping your brain sharp, and it also helps you learn about new things and become a more knowledgeable person. Before you turn 30, make sure to give your mind the chance to see something differently through the pages of a book. So Daph,
2: did you read much as a child? Yes, I actually read a lot as a child, and I have vivid memories of my mum reading to me before bed every night. Mm -hmm. And I used to carry a book around with me all the time. You know, we would go for dinners, we would go out, I would always have a book with me. And I read a lot of books from this English author called Enid Blyton, and I carried this habit through with me till I was about maybe 10, 11 And then yeah, I just stopped. Right. I think there was like a clear point where I just stopped reading and I'm not sure if it's because you had school, you had homework, you had other things. Like it wasn't really... Or maybe I had a computer. I think that was it. I was addicted to Sims. Oh my gosh, the Sims. And I just stopped. (laughs) The Sims (laughs) was great. (laughs) It is freaking great. Yeah, so I read a lot as a child, but then I stopped.
1: Right, so do you think that there was a point where you... Picked
2: it back up again as an adult? Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) That was your peak at age 10? Pretty much. I think my peak was probably age 7, and then that was it. Game over. (laughs) How about you, June? What is your reading history?
1: So I definitely read a lot as a child. Um, my equivalent of your and Enid Blighton, who I've never heard of before, but my equivalent is this Australian writer called Paul Jennings and in primary school he was all the rage because he wrote these really creepy stories and I would kind of scare myself reading them and get all these nightmares but they were great anyway and then once I got into high school I read a lot because I really love my English teachers and I just remember reading all these very intense stories things like Animal Farm by George Orwell and I used to make Grace my little sister read them as well and she was when I was in grade seven, she was in grade one or two, and so it's this like six year old reading. Did you <laughs> social commentary? Did you
2: chat to her about the book after? Like, did you have a discussion or you just.
1: No, I think I honestly just, as soon as I finished reading them, I would be like, Grace, this is a great book. You should also read this book. So <laughs> she read absolutely everything I read. Wow, what an evil sister. <laughs> So, did you make a reading list of things you want to read before you turn 30? Definitely not. Not at all.
2: I (laughs) struggle even to read five books a year. That's still pretty good if you read five books a year. I've been really trying hard to like read more books and to incorporate it into like everyday life. If you had to, though,
1: were there any books that you kind of had in your mind that you really wanted to get to before you turned 30?
2: Maybe the two books that my dad told me to read when I was younger. So my dad... What were they? Uh, the first book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, yeah. I read that.
1: Jaws made me read that one. Did you like it? I honestly don't remember much about okay, it. and maybe not that. But all, all I remember is that his... No, it was useful. His, I think his dad was the not-rich dad, but then he had a friend who had a rich, a rich dad. dad. And he learnt life lessons from that friend's dad. And now he's really rich so i guess it worked for him
2: <laughs> what was the other one the other book is who moved my cheese i believe it is a work related career book perhaps something i should read now mm. or maybe i should have read 10 years ago which maybe maybe you wouldn't be in this position of <laughs> never knowing what i want to do it's a sliding doors moment if <laughs> only you read this book <laughs> if only hindsight everybody hindsight Did you have a reading list, June? I did not have a reading list, but
1: I did have one book that I definitely wanted to read before I turned 30, which didn't happen. (laughs) That's okay. Thank you. That book was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, This man, he you know, wrote this book when he was in a concentration camp and it's Mm. supposed to be very deep and reflective about meaning of life type thing. So, yeah, I guess we should
2: probably read those books that we had. Maybe. I'm struggling to even read books that (laughs) I am interested in, let alone books that I should read. So should we jump straight into it then? So what are some life-changing books that you have read? I am going to spend most of my time talking about the one book that I really feel has made a massive impact to my life. And that is, (laughs) drumroll, Marie Kondo's (laughs) book. So for those of you that know me, this is not a surprise because I do go on and I preach about it. And the title of her book is The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up the Japanese art of decluttering and organizing. Right. It sounds really boring and stupid. And if you don't really take it in and read the whole book, it can definitely feel like fluffy and mm-hmm. not at all useful. But mm-hmm. this book has definitely changed my life because I am a hoarder. Yep. <laughs> June yep. can yep. attest yep. to this. <laughs> um, in my early 20s, I love stuff. I still love stuff, don't get me wrong you know, I like being surrounded by things and always want to buy more stuff. But after reading this book, it really changed my point of view in terms of how you view things. Her book, it's a really easy to read book. It's very short. What do you think
1: it was about this book that really made an impact? Mm. Well, first of all, how did you find it? And what was it about it? Like what was the main message that you kind of struck gold with? So
2: I first heard about it from a friend when I was working at the Sydney Opera House Mm -hmm. and I didn't really pay much to read. Also, I looked at the title and I was like, this sounds like a really annoying stupid book. Mm -hmm. It does sound very specific, hey? It does sound very specific. Mm -hmm. But then I think my cousin? Mm -hmm. joe or our friend laura read this book and was like this book is amazing give it a go Mm -hmm. and because i didn't have to buy the book i borrowed it of someone Mm -hmm. it was a very small book it was super easy to read i smashed it out in like three days it was also written in a very matter-of-fact way and i'm not sure if it's because it's a translated book like translated from japanese Mm -hmm. so it's very to the point Mm -hmm. but also clear right There is a method, you know, to going about this concept, this principle, this way of life. And what I did then, and I would advise everybody, if you do want to read this book, please do not watch the Netflix series. (laughs) So Marie Kondo has done a Netflix. Have you watched the series? I have watched the series and it is terrible. The Netflix series does not do it any justice at all Mm -hmm. to what the book is right um so if you are going to read the book please do not watch the netflix series read the book first it is a small book it's super easy to read and i would advise anyone um to allocate the following weekend free so you can actually straight away implement what you've learned from the book the Mm -hmm. following weekend because Mm -hmm. I did that as you're reading it as soon as you finish reading it the following weekend just spend a whole weekend and start doing the thing yeah I did it and it was amazing and it wasn't just like here are tips on how to declutter or how to tidy up you know it's like life lessons right where you can apply it pretty much everything in your life I would say Mm -hmm. Um, so for me this was an amazing book so is this something that you implement in your life day to day now? I definitely consciously try to. So for example, um, two weeks ago, we're coming into winter now and I'm like, I don't have any winter clothes. I need to be ready and have everything. You know, I need new jumpers, new shoes, new coats, new jackets. And then I was like, okay, let's take a step back. Do I really need all these things? So I went through the process of the Marie Kondo steps, not not to get rid of stuff or to declutter, but just to sense check how much things do I have. And I did that and realized I have 15 to 20 jackets that I have here with me Mm -hmm. and 15 jumpers, which makes me go, actually, you know what, Dav? I don't need any new winter clothing. I have everything I need for me to get by. Mm -hmm. So you use it almost as a pulse check of what you have. Correct, yeah. I use it as a pulse check now. So now and then... Mm -hmm. What that means for me is that in my mental space, I have freed up that I need to be buying stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I need to be online shopping. I need to be browsing, you know, because I need more jumpers. I need a new pair of shoes. I actually am like, you know what? I have three pairs of shoes that could be waterproof shoes. This is going to last for three months. Do I need this? Do I need more than what I need? No. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. I'm going to just deal with what I have. hmm
0: So Daph, if you had to
1: summarize the Marie Kondo book, how would you do that?
2: Mm, I am going to be controversial and I am not going to give you a summary because I actually want you to read the book and get to the end because I often feel like when I give people the end summary, the response I often get is, but I like everything I have, everything I own sparks joy. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which really annoys me, and I totally understand why they say that. Yeah. Um, you know, because the summary that everyone talks about is every item you pick up should bring you happiness, and you should thank the item if you want to let it go, and it just sounds stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, that just sounds so airy-fairy, but people don't understand that that is step 5. You know, you go through step one, step two, step three, and that is the end part. Right. There's a process. And it's from going through the steps and going through the process that you realize whatever I'm doing at the end actually makes total sense. Right. You can't just cheat and skip to the end. Correct. You can't just cheat. You can't skip the process. Um, So I guess my summary is it's a very easy to read book. You don't actually have to spend a lot of time on it. Um, give it a go if you are serious if you do think I actually have a lot of stuff I want to try to declutter or even if you just want a different perspective I think for me the book gave me a different perspective of looking at things and items that's your takeaway that's my takeaway
1: June what is your book that you've read yeah okay so when I heard this question I thought of two books immediately and I honestly think my life would be completely different if I hadn't read these two books. So the first one is Authentic Happiness by um, this renowned psychologist called Martin Seligman. He um, is this professor of psychology in UPenn. I think he's still there. He might not be. He's really old. Um, but essentially in 2002, he wrote this book. And this was a dude that had been studying Kind of depression in psychology, Mm -hmm. and along the way, he learned that depression can be learnt, or helplessness rather, could be learnt. So he realized that these dogs, when they were in these situations where they couldn't get out of it, and nothing that they did changed that fact, and they were completely not in control they learned to become helpless. So they even when they had an opportunity to get out of that situation, they didn't take up that opportunity. So with that learning, he realized that he could study the opposite side of that. So if you can learn helplessness, can you also learn resilience? And so that's where authentic happiness comes in. He founded pretty much all, was one of the four founders of this whole school of thought called Positive Psychology, which is all about how you can really build resilience in yourself and learn how to be authentically happy through all these different ways of thinking about your life, and gratitude was a really big part of that. So for me, studying psych as an undergrad, it was all kind of doom and gloom, really A lot of depressing stuff there, but he was kind of this ray of sunshine where he had studied all these things and tried to apply it in a way that could help us be mentally resilient, and I really respected that. Um, And actually, I went on to like do an exchange program at UPenn because of him, and I got to get my book signed by him, which was pretty awesome.
2: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, so I really don't think I would have loved psychology the way that I did if he kind of hadn't been there, and I definitely wouldn't have gone to pursue that exchange program if he hadn't been uh, at that school either. So that was definitely a big life-changing moment for me.
2: Is this an easy read, or...? I would say it's
1: quite easy. It's not textbook-like at Mm -hmm. all. It's more... um, How would I describe it? More narrative, because he is kind of describing his journey of how he came to this, and it breaks out into chapters, the different parts of building resilience. Mm -hmm. Yep, Authentic Happiness, so that was one. And then the other one is a book called Change by Design. The person that wrote this, Tim Brown, he was the CEO of this organization called IDEO, which is an organization that is super well known in the design community. He's now no longer the CEO, but he still chairs IDEO. And this book was life changing because at the time I was working in a job where I was really unhappy with how things were going and I really didn't like where my career was headed. And when I read this book, I realized design was a way of problem solving, not just things like, oh, what furniture should I buy? Or like, you know, what typography looks great in this layout? Or like, let's put pretty colors. Yeah. Or pretty colors, but really changing deep social issues. I think some of the, uh, examples that he tackles is like sanitation in the developing world or how to build a better bicycle, that kind of thing. So I really appreciated him introducing design as more than just something that makes things beautiful. Pretty aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And I probably wouldn't be in design now if it weren't for that book. So yeah, those two books really did change the course of my life. Wow,
2: so inspiring. (laughs) Would you recommend *Change By Design as a book for an easy read? Like, would people enjoy reading it or i think certain people
1: would enjoy reading it i think if you enjoy reading about strategy and how you can approach problem solving in a different way and you're curious about what design Mm -hmm. is or what design thinking you've heard the buzzword design thinking and you want to know more uh, Change by Design is a great way to introduce you to that.
2: I'm curious to know who introduced you to Change by Design. How did you find this book? Honestly, I think
1: it was just at the library when I was there. You know how sometimes they have those recommended
2: Yes, feature it for the week, feature it for the month.
1: Yeah, exactly. Librarian recommended or whatever. I think it was on there. And so I picked it up. Wow. It was really chance. Mm -hmm. That feels
2: like a magical moment. It really was. It's like calling (laughs) out to you because, yeah, I'm still obviously very, very proud. And also so much respect that you changed your career from psychology to design, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Super different. Yeah.
1: So I feel like both of our books were pretty, like, self-help, like, do your thing, right? <laughs> in that vein. Are there any kind of
2: more, I don't know, like, fiction works that impacted your life? I really, really love the book written by Margaret Atwood. Not Handmaid's Tale, it's called... Oryx, and Crake. So Margaret Atwood is Canadian. Did you know that? Yes. Um, Woo, Canada. This book was introduced to me by my cousin Joe, and really, I feel like part, part of the reason why she wanted me to read this book was so because she could have discussions with me about the book. <laughs> right. She just needed to talk to someone yeah, about it, yeah. because it is very intense, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much like you and Gracie. So summary of the book about the dystopian future the book was written in 2003 and if you read the book it is quite scary and exciting and crazy mm, that so crazy so many of the things that are in this book is you i can see it happening now today i can see it happening in the future mm-hmm. um what's an example so an example is how people live in what they call compounds. Mm-hmm. So if you are employed by uh, a big company that specializes in healthcare, it's called like HealthWiser. And every all the employees live in this gated community in this compound. Right. But then outside of this compound, you have what they call the plea bland, which is where the commoners live mm-hmm. and they don't have rules. And you can kind of already see that happening with cities. We have mega cities and then we have slums. Um, another thing that she talked about well that was written about in this book is about um, this uh, animal called a pigun, which is a pig that has been bred specifically so that they could uh, grow organs on them, human organs for human transplants. Yeah. So you, so Ooh. this pig would ha- actually had like human cells in Surfers. them and they were like s- smart because you know they had human DNA. Um, which is, I think, it's super creepy, what we're also doing. So it, it's a super interesting book, and it's also part of a three-part series. So Oryx and Crate was the first book that was written in 2003. Then The next book that came out was Year of the Flood, and the last one is called Matt Adam. And yeah, I reckon give it a go. Read the first book. If that intrigues you, then you have two more books to read. And I've, re- I've actually read this book three times now. Like, I would go back, yeah, just because I really enjoy it. I really enjoy reading it, and and it's still so relevant, but yeah. Wow. Um, so that is my fiction book.
1: So I definitely did not know it was a part of a trilogy. I only read Oryx and Crake and I just remember it being so intense and it was just a lot. I think I could never read it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. So good on you for reading it three yeah, times. I really really like it. I don't know it just brings me joy. <laughs> <laughs> to think about dystopic futures.
2: <laughs> well just to think about how yeah. No, it
1: is very relevant now. It's very creepy how relevant it is. Yeah,
2: and I am really into the whole dystopian thing because. Mm-hmm. Well, I probably will not survive for it, but yeah, I mean, i like if you look at Hunger Games, the concept of Hunger Games, you know, I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. I can totally see that happening. So, a book that I have read
1: multiple, multiple times as well, probably close to, I would say, 10 times that has kind of changed my life in more of a subtle way is The Little Prince. It is by a French author whose name I've never, ever had to say out loud before. Until now! I don't know how. (laughs) Until now! And I butchered it, so instead of me trying to butcher the pronunciation, I'm going to get YouTube to say it.
2: Ready? Antoine de (laughs) Saint-Exupéry. Did
1: you hear that? (laughs) Again, again. It's just specifically for when I need to say this author's name. (laughs) Oh no. Again.
2: Antoine de (laughs) Saint-Exupéry.
1: So anyway, that guy, he wrote this book a really long time ago, 1943. And I think it has a very loyal following in Korea, but not only Korea, in Asia. Because whenever I go to Asia, there's always like mugs decorated with this. Character and (laughs) plushy toys. I have many questions. Yeah, What are your questions? So who introduced this book to you? My mum introduced this book to me because she read it loyally as she was a child. Maybe it's a part of, like, Korean education curriculum. Like, read this book.
2: I was going to say maybe it's part of, like, yeah, childhood thing. Okay, second question. What is this book about? Because I don't know about it. You've never heard of it? I've heard of it, but I've never read it. Right. And I know exactly the paraphernalia that they sell. Okay, so this book is about a little prince
1: and he lives on this tiny tiny planet it's so tiny that he can walk around the whole planet in five minutes (laughs) you know 10 footsteps or something and so it's a story of how he had to leave this tiny planet and a travel through all these different other planets that have these characters on them and these characters are all satired characters about characteristics of adults so one is like vanity you know this king is on one of the planets and he all he cares about are his subjects but the little prince is his only subject as soon as he arrived and then there's this other guy whose whole job is to count stars and he just puts the number on a book and then he puts that book into his cabinet and then locks the cabinet and then starts all over again. And this other man who is a lamp lighter and he just lights a lamp and then he unlights a Mm -hmm. lamp and he does that over and over like every five minutes because the planets are so tiny. And then eventually he comes to Earth and he meets a fox and anyway he has a very complicated relationship with this rose on his home planet. But the long and the short of it is it's very insightful about human character and relationships and I think for me the call of the book is to not lose your childlikeness so every time I reread this book I kind of have a refresh of what I want to be as an adult and what I don't want to be and what I don't want to lose as I progress in my adulthood and yeah it just kind of refreshes what I want my Outlook on life to be. Um, but I think it, if you were to read it, it only takes you maybe an hour. So yeah,
2: okay. give it a go. I will definitely... I have now all these new books that I am going to go to the library and borrow. Everyone, you don't have to buy books. Go to the library. Yes. It's free. It has really changed my life Mm -hmm. and i've only really started borrowing books from library when i moved to london two years ago and now Mm -hmm. yeah i borrow everything from the library amazing
1: yeah support your local library support your library so that about wraps up our episode we hope you found that interesting um
2: any final thoughts stuff yes i have a quote from one of our friend jury we were discussing. So, Jury was living with me in London, and we were discussing about buying books. And Jury said mm-hmm. to me, "Hey, Daph, you should never put a price on a book because one idea can change your life. Ooh. So, even if a book costs a hundred and fifty dollars, if you read this one book that has one thing that could change your life, that book is priceless. Amazing. And that really stuck with me. So, thank you, Jury, mm-hmm. for that very insightful
1: tidbit." So next week's episode is going to be about quitting the job you hate even if you don't have a backup plan. And we actually have a special guest joining us next week. Her name is Jessie, and you'll hear all about how she left her job in UX to become a personal trainer. So exciting. Oh, so, so
2: inspirational. Yes. But yes, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And episode five, we're halfway through. Woohoo!
1: Stay tuned for more. Yep, let us know what life changing books you've read. Mm. Bye, until next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.
0: Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,